By the way, do you mind if I do what my uh, grandfather or my great-grandfather did? Do you mind if I have a glass of wine? Oh, go for it. Good. Go I'm going to have a little house cab, a little house red, because I think we're going to have a brilliant podcast. Good. Calling CQ. Calling CQ. Uh, uh, come in, please. It's the JT and Looney podcast. Episode 49. Did you know that more people ordered Madden 21 in the past week than in the entire glorious history of the Madden franchise? Yes, and you can thank a pandemic for that and your talent. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I yeah. am one of the play-by-play guys on Madden 21. And it also has a lot of people now texting me and calling me, not to say congratulations. They're texting me and calling me. To say, oh, how can I get in that bit? How can I get in the voiceover business? What can you do for me? Uh, <laughs> congratulations to you. What can you do? <laughs> exactly. But I'm not bitter about it. You know, people, that's just the way people are. And that's okay. People are beautiful. And, you know, ironically, I always tell them great voiceovers aren't about the voice. It's about you know, not sounding like you're reading. Like our friends at Bet Online, they want us to talk about them. Uh, now that football's back, it's a great place to go bet. So, for example, they are a sponsor of the JT and Looney podcast. That's the podcast that you're listening to right now. Hi. And Bet Online has game spreads and totals and player and coaching props, some really cool props. And so they send what's called the copy. And my job is to read the copy without sounding like I'm reading. I'm supposed to just sound like I'm talking to you. You know what I mean? Okay. And so I have to, at some point during this podcast, talk about Bet Online, uh, where you have more options to bet on stuff than any place online. It's really cool. They're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week at their online casino. And so at some point, remind me to tell you more about Bet Online, okay. where you can take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses at betonline.ag. Because it's a great sponsor. We're happy to have him. Put this in the drawer. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts, and we'll be talking about that later. Um, yeah, but I'm hearing your background noise. Oh, yeah. It's just, I'm just listening to a um, voice message right now. Okay. I should put the clipper. The clippers are on late night. They might lose this thing. Okay, this is a podcast number 49. Ron Guidry was number 49. Oh, you know, I have a Ron Guidry autograph ball, Louisiana Lightning. I've interviewed well, him a few times in my career. He's one of my all-time favorites. His legendary season was one of the most impactful years of my life because as a Yankee fan. What was his legendary season? In 1978, Ron Guidry was really one of the heroes of my youth. He really was. Thurman Munson died, the catcher. Right. And that was the that was the favorite player, the favorite player of my life. That was my hero. Ron Guidry had a year in 1978. He was 25 and 3. Ooh, Think of that. Wow. Today we can't get guys to win 20 games. And right. not even have to finish the game. They only have to pitch 7 innings. Right. But now we have 7 inning double headers and Ron Guidry had a run 77, he was 16 and 7, 25 and 3, 18 and 8, 17 and 10, 11 and 5, 14 and 8, 1983, 21 and 9, 1985, he was 22 and 6. Ron Guidry was a legendary Yankee and one of the great heroes of my youth. And one of the few great. Football, baseball, basketball players ever to wear number 49. Now, of course, a lot of them were great. They had to you know, be great to make it into the NBA, but a lot of them weren't 
names you'd really hear at number 49, although Ed Marinero is there. You know, Ed Marinero, the great running back at Cornell, Heisman Trophy runner-up, was on Laverne and Shirley and Hill Street Blues. Yeah, he's in a former Viking at number 49. Isn't that bizarre that there's not a lot of number 49s? 50, we get into linebackers. Yes, right. We get into the linebacker run, and we, we take a look at basketball players now. There's some guys in the 50s who can play, but you're right about that. Number 49, even if you're not a Yankee fan, Ron Guidry comes to mind, and you question why there weren't more guys on your favorite football team that were, A, in the 40s and famous, let alone 49. Right. And uh, also a former New York Nick great Shannon Anderson was number 49. <laughs> oh, my Knicks. You just had to take a shot. As as we're recording the podcast, I'm watching Boston in the Heat. Uh, that's what you have to remind me about the Knicks. Not only did the Knicks not get invited to the bubble as one of the last place teams right. to come in and be one of those scrimmage teams, you know, the teams that had no chance. Right. Like Zion. Zion had no chance, but they wanted to bring him in for the TV scrimmage. Uh, my Knicks weren't even invited to the scrimmage. They'll be good someday. It's just, it's just like the COVID numbers going away. Like Trump says, they're going to go down someday. Yes, the Knicks are going to be good someday because what is down must come up. I saw you on my TV in Los Angeles. You were interviewing John Gruden, what, what, what show was that? That was the Silver and Black show. There's okay. two radio shows. One I'm hosting is called Talk of the Nation, which is kind of a PTI-type show where I okay. get a chance to interview insiders. It was supposed to be me, Chris Angel, the celebrity. It was supposed wow. to be the governor. It was supposed to be Wayne Newton. It was supposed to be a rotation of a bunch of people on a couch, famous performers. And it was just going to be a light conversation about the Raiders and Vegas and what, what that means. But COVID canceled all that. So now I'm on this, I'm on this beautiful starship stage, this unbelievable television set with me and a staff that have to be COVID tested and none of our guests can come on live. They have to be on something called Zoom. Yeah. And you here you got your friend who you've known all these years from back from the Oakland Raider days where you do a pre and post game and fly with the team. You got your friend, Coach John Gruden, who's back. And he's got to be down on the field, and you're up in the booth. And that's got to suck. You can't sit down one-on-one with your friend. Yeah, we're supposed to break down film. But then again, it, there's a little silver lining here. It's nice okay. to be separated because JT the Brick doesn't want to give John Gruden COVID access. <laughs> so, we want those paychecks to continue to cash. If I have to sit out a couple of weeks to isolate, that's right. one thing. If an NFL head coach. And I think that's a good way for us to drop into week one. As yes. Of the NFL came to an end. And you and I have talked about this for years, 14 plus years on the radio. One of our big themes were, don't go 0-2. Oh, my God. Don't go 0-2. Oh, you can right. go 0-1. I mean, someone's going to win the first game. Someone's going to lose. It's not the end of the world. The Cowboys lost to the Rams, but they played in L.A. against a good team. Not the end of the world. But when the Eagles blow a massive lead and Carson Wentz gets sacked eight times by the, ready for this, the Washington Football Club, right. they don't even have a name. Or Mitchell Trubisky comes back when the Lions have this Unbelievable lead. Oh Chip, my God. Chip put it in the fridge with the jello <laughs> and Mitchell Trubisky beat you. Now, Tom Looney, we have some panic on the horizon. Oh my God. 845,422 times this has been said somewhere into a microphone. Those poor Lion fans. <laughs> Man. All over again. Every single game is like the one, the game before year in and year out. It's unbelievable. 
That's why I believe, and I'll do it in front of Congress, as I always told you, when we can't get anything done in sports, mm-hmm. thank God we can go to Congress. We can go to the Rayburn Building on Capitol Hill, and then all of a sudden the congressmen and senators, they leave their offices and they go, oh, my God, we have athletes. Oh, we have athletes in the Rayburn <laughs> Building. Let's go. Can I go? And what they do is they grill the athletes on steroids and all these things because of all these collectively bargain deal. And are you paying taxes or enough? And I think the next thing we need to do is remove Move the lions from Thanksgiving. Yeah, that has been. You know, a lot of people want to cure world hunger. You want to get the lions out of the Thanksgiving game. <laughs> Go in front of Congress and explain that, A, no one in Detroit wants to leave their home where they're having turkey and the right. weather's kind of cold and go to a stadium and watch football. Why would you want to do that? You'd want to be home. Number two, they never win on Thanksgiving. So yeah. they play at home and they embarrass their entire city. And then every year they get rewarded with this tradition but it isn't like Jim Nance, a tradition unlike any other with the Zellias <laughs> and the Masters. It's a yeah. tradition of losing. So I believe they should lose a Thanksgiving. In the but day. didn't they invent the Thanksgiving game and that's how they've got a lock on it? They've got yeah, a stone-cold lead pipe lock. They have some type of bylaw there in, in the <laughs> union where they're able to have that. But a couple of quick things that happened because Thursday night football – the season started off with Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. And there was a play early in the game where Deshaun Watson went out of bounds. He was running out of bounds. Yep. He went right to the bench and sat with Mahomes. And Mahomes put his hand on him. And it was a really great picture because in that game, Chris Collinsworth on Thursday night said, there is a half a billion dollars in quarterbacks who are right there. Yep. And Mahomes won that game. Kansas City is 1-0. and They're the Super Bowl champs. And a friend of mine went. A guy by the name of Tom Lydon went. From Vegas, he's a season ticket holder, and I knew he was there because of Facebook, and I saw him mm-hmm. tailgating, and I said, Tommy, call me after the game on SiriusXM and tell me what happened, what was it like? And it was such a good phone call because he talked about tailgating and where he had a park, and it was great. He saw all of his friends that he likes to tailgate with, Then he went to his seats, and he was one of the 17,000 that were elected to go as a season wow. ticket holder, and he wore a mask. It was beautiful. They cheered. Some fans booed. He wasn't right. one of them that signed a unity. But he went to a football game, and he didn't get sick. And after the game and after the tailgate, he flew back to the airport the next morning, went home, and he experienced something that only 17,000 people did, and they were all safe and out of harm's way. So it was great to see a friend of mine actually went to a football game. You know, it was also great to see Tom Brady play like dog shit because I predicted it, remember? <laughs> As we take a look at the Bucks and the Saints, which is one of the biggest games of the day because we wanted to see if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were for real. And I know it's, you know, our, we got to take a look at our math. Nate Silver would say, take a look at the, the sample size. It's one game. But Tom Brady looked like he really basically just looked the same way he looked last year. Not very good. What was your takeaway? My take was he didn't look really good, and the Saints yep. didn't play really good. I'm prepping for the Saints. They open up Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders a week, you know, Monday night. This next Monday night game is Saints at Raiders in front of no fans. And Drew Brees said he played an awful game. But, you know, in that Saints game, Michael Thomas, the leading receiver in all the NFL, only had three receptions. Right. He, he had an ankle issue. And Alvin Kamara had four of his 12 attempts that they went backwards. So they didn't play well. And they handily beat Tom Brady. Yeah, that's the bad news for the rest of the NFL. Michael Thomas, who cannot be stopped normally, was so-so. Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, actually going after. Literally. I couldn't believe this. This was such a big topic. Basically, he talked about the Tom Brady of practice. He... 
Bill Belichick went his entire career with Brady and never went there once. Not once. Losing Super Bowls. What do you think about that, Tom? Bruce Arians going after Tom Brady, the guy who's going to save his job potentially? I was stunned because right, Bill Belichick was always very careful. Those two, I guess, didn't get along. Uh, Tom Brady, nothing what he, nothing that he said was untrue, but isn't he the guy that charmed Brady into coming into Tampa Bay and playing for the Buccaneers, who are really the Bengals of the NFC? They're always just fair to good, never great. They've been to a Super Bowl. They won a Super Bowl. Bengals have been to two. Bengals can be good, never great. So they're the Bengals of the NFC, and that's where Tom Brady chose to go. You would think Bruce had a lot to do with talking Tom Brady into it. Now he might be talking Tom Brady into not caring. What's interesting about Bruce Arenas on this, uh, Bruce Arians, excuse me, what's interesting with him on this whole scenario is that he's the coach, when I've seen these profiles done on him, where tell, he tells his coaches, after the game on Sunday, have a cocktail with me. They have cocktails in the parking lot mm-hmm. with, a, with a coach's park. And then he says, I don't want to see you. Go home and don't miss your daughter's recital. And please don't ever miss your son's basketball game. Go to everything you can. It's more important than this. And this is the guy who goes 0-1. They lost on the road. I thought that Tampa Bay, I have Tampa Bay winning the division. I have New Orleans as the wild card. But I thought they would split against each other. Tom would win at home. Drew would win at home. And there's already a sense of panic around the NFL. And a lot of people from Peter King to a lot of other insiders that I've heard on other shows. I had John Clayton on my show. And yeah, everybody looked at Brady saying he didn't have his fastball. He didn't look right in that system. I'm not making a big deal out of it because they had no preseason games. And that was the first game and he didn't look sharp. That went, Now we can move on to Phillip Rivers and I can tee you up. Well, wait a minute. Don't move on to Phillip Rivers yet. Let's stick with the Buccaneers and remember... The experts this year, they all picked the Buccaneers like last year. They all picked the Browns. How did that work out? It's not going to work out much differently. Uh, the, matter of fact, once we get to the Browns, you know, the, the starting quarterback in a few weeks uh, is going to be Case Keenum for the Cleveland Browns. Remember that I said that. But uh, the Tampa Bay, the, the experts jumped on the Tampa Bay Buccaneer bandwagon, forgetting it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just like last year, they jumped on the Cleveland Brown bandwagon and forgot that it was the Cleveland Browns. It's a great way of looking at it because every year there's always a bandwagon team. I'll give Brady a little bit more credit here. The schedule is going to open up. They opened up with a brutal game. The only thing that would have been more brutal is if they had to play in front of fans. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the pick six went down and, and the crowd would have, it would have felt like the Superdome was crumbling if that happened there with Tom Brady. But I think Tampa Bay will be okay. Now, I picked Phillip Rivers. Because I believe he's already in the Hall of Fame. He already announced his presenter. He's going in just because of his enormous yards, his enormous touchdowns, his stats. But he opened up on a very good team, I thought, and they shit the bed. And now I'd be really concerned because there was another guy who tried to do too much, and he was a turnover machine. I think his statistics disqualify him from the Hall of Fame. You can't just force him into the Hall of Fame by saying, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. It's just not fair. He's played too poorly. His teams didn't go to the playoffs. He's Vinny Testaverde. He just got a lot of statistics without doing anything yeah, with his career. That with Curtis Martin, who played for the Jets. And a little right. It's just 
not right. And, and he's and he's too much of a turnover machine. He's got he's got the isn't he? He's lost more games in the final minute than any other quarterback in the NFL in the in the past four years. That's not a Hall of Famer. You don't allow guys like that into the Hall of Fame. You don't. Yeah, I've seen Rivers play a lot of big games, and again, it's not a Super Bowl berth. He played. He hurt his knee and played great in the game. You know, to ten years ago, or fifth was it fifteen? We got. We have to, you don't get in the Hall of Fame over that game. We're going to agree to disagree on that. Right. And you're right, and I'm wrong. I think that Philip Rivers someday, after Eli, after Eli gets his gold jacket, they're going to get around to Philip Rivers, and Philip Rivers is going to be there. Okay, me- okay. And Tom Flores still isn't in the Hall of Fame. Tom Flores has real statistics. Real statistics. Give us those Tom Flores statistics. Well, Tom Flores has got four Super Bowl rings. One yep. as the backup quarterback for Len Dawson in Super Bowl Four. One as the assistant coach for John Madden in Super Bowl Eleven, And then two as head coach for the Raiders as the head coach at Super Bowl Fifteen and Eighteen. We remember the Marcus Allen unbelievable run. We remember, you know, great plays and great Didn't runs. he also win as a quarterback in the AFL? Yeah, that's the first one I said. He was the... Oh, okay. He was for Kansas City. He was okay. Super Bowl four backup quarterback there. But yeah, look, it could it could take a while for Rivers to get in. And Rivers the chapter on Rivers hasn't been closed yet. He's on another playoff team, I believe, that lost their first game. They had a really serious injury to a running back. We'll talk about that, but I think Rivers will stable the ship. He doesn't have the Chargers to make a run to the playoffs. Now he has the Colts, who I think has a little bit of a better team. I think he'll have a better chance than that. You're asking Philip Rivers, to yeah. the most unstable quarterback in the NFL, not emotionally, erratic play, to stable the the ship of the Colts. The Jacoby Brissett can stable that ship, but, uh, but Philip Rivers can't. <laughs> I'm running out of time with one topic, and I just want to use this okay. time because my big catchphrase was Baker Mayfield <laughs> having a better start to his career than Brett Favre. You've heard me say that at nauseum. It's fact. It's not fiction. In Brett Favre's first year, he only threw four passes, completed none of them in year one. Okay, Baker Mayfield in year one broke the all-time touchdown record in the history of the NFL for rookies. So that was one. The second year, Brett Favre was his first year with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield had a very good year. Brett Favre really didn't play much and do anything. And then in the third year, Brett Favre played for Green Bay, and he had a whole bunch of interceptions and probably more than Baker's going to have this year. But then Brett Favre figured it out and became one of the all-time greats. Baker Mayfield is running out of time, Tom Looney. He's got to figure this out quickly here with Kevin Stefanski, the new head coach in Cleveland. Johnny Football, if he came in right now, might be playing better at quarterback than Baker Mayfield. It's unbelievable. And Case Keenum, the greatest football player in the history of NCAA Division I college football, uh, also maybe the starter at Cleveland at some point if they if they get too exasperated. And I think a, a lot of people have been really too focused on the Cleveland Browns and not focused enough on the Ravens and what a machine they are. And according to Peter King and the Herd and Dr. Fauci and all the experts, the Browns are loaded with talent. But, you know, the Browns stink. In case Keenum could be starting there, Baker Mayfield, worse than Johnny Football, uh, but let's emphasize the Ravens. Why are we talking about the Browns? The Ravens are perfect. We both picked them to win the Super Bowl. Last year, their pass rush was inconsistent. Week one, their pass rush drove Baker Mayfield crazy. Ravens are as good as it gets in the NFL. Maybe the best team in the NFL already. 
But last year they were they were front runners early and they played bad late. Hopefully they can turn that around this year. But Lamar's now twenty and three. Lamar Jackson, oh, what twenty what and three, and and he's and he's not a running quarterback. He's a passing quarterback who just so happens to run well, and he just so happens to be the best football player on the field at all times, no matter who the uh, the Baltimore Ravens are playing. It's incredible, and. He he throws lasers. He's a passing quarterback, not a running quarterback. He just runs so well, that's what we think of him as, but he's a passer. One thing to remember with him, Baker Mayfield, the number one pick in the draft, and well, Lamar Jackson, the last pick of the mm-hmm. first round. Mm-hmm. So when you tie that draft together in other drafts, remember, it's easy to recite who was the first pick overall in a draft. It's very tough to say who was the last pick of the first round, and it right. was interesting. It's Lamar Jackson, and then this Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, heard of him, Thursday Night Football for Kansas City. Oh, my uh, God. Last pick from the Super Bowl champs, the last pick of the most recent draft in the first round. So, Tom, maybe that is the secret sauce of the NFL draft. If you have the 32nd pick, maybe that pick's going to turn out to well, be. Well, no, this fits, in, this fits in with my theory of it's always good to drop like a rock. Lamar Jackson dropped to a great football team, and a lot of yeah. bad experts didn't realize how good he was. And stereotyped, a lot, quite frankly, a lot of black quarterbacks who were great at running and passing over the years and forgot he could pass. They just forgot how what lasers he could throw. And and forgot he was the best football player on the field at all times when he was in college as well. So this happens a lot. It happened to Ben Roethlisberger, who had, you know, had a reputation as a sloppy drunk and dropped to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And oh, Dan Marino, a lot of people who yeah, had... Dan Marino's a great example of that. Yeah, bad reputation. He, he dropped to a team that had gone to the Super Bowl the year before with Don Strzok. So... And so he was immediately the best player on the on, uh, best uh, quarterback uh, on the Dolphins when he got there on the best one of the best teams in the AFC. So that's what that's the advantage of not being a high draft pick is the lower draft picks. The better teams are take uh, are choosing at 31 and 32. A great analogy for Dan Marino. Someone once told me recently that it was like Luka Doncic. No one saw Luka play unless you had film and YouTube right. video, right? Then right. he comes here and everybody goes, oh my God, how did we not get him? <sighs> and it's the same thing with Dan Marino. Dan Marino played at Pitt. He played at Pittsburgh, okay? He didn't play on the Hurricanes of Miami. Right. Like, you'll look at all the teams, and next thing you know, he drops because of some personal character issues, and he becomes one of the all-time greats. One other quick question. You do a lot of commercials in Los Angeles, TV commercials. And Baker Mayfield now has a new set of year two commercials yeah. with progressive insurance. And I think they're good. He, he lives at the stadium, and if it rains, yeah. he covers up his seat and all they're that. Good. What do you think his agent and everybody at Progressive said when they were filming the second round of commercials going, oh, my God, producer, director, come on over here, craft services. What happens if he stinks again? What happens if he has a bad year? We have these commercials. Tom, those commercials run every commercial break during every NFL game for Baker Mayfield. Well, they do, but good for him. You know, it's always good to have two jobs, as you know, JT. I'm telling you that. (laughs) 
it's always good to have two jobs. And Jay Leno, even when he would when he was doing the Tonight Show, he put his Tonight Show checks in the bank, and he would do stand up on the weekends, and that would be the money he lived on at ten thousand dollars a pop on a Saturday and a Sunday, and he lived off that eighty thousand dollars rather than his twenty five million that was going straight in the bank from NBC. And he did that all his life. Actually, he always had two gigs going on, and would put. He, or, or even when he was just a stand-up, one day would go in the bank, the next day was his, and that's the way he would do it. Baker Mayfield is smart. Even Marshawn Lynch. You don't think of Dr. Fauci when you think of Marshawn Lynch. You don't think of Marshawn Lynch as one day being a doctor when he retires from football, as he does over and over again. But he saved all of his money, didn't he? Didn't he use only his endorsement money and his NFL checks, checks went straight in the bank? So... If Marshawn Lynch can do it, so can Baker Mayfield, and that's probably what he's doing if he's smart. Because if you're if you're a bust in the NFL, and Ryan Leaf can tell you this, you still might be able to live off your money if you invest it well. And now here he is, the one, the only. Well, one thing about Jay Leno, let's dip the podcast in reality. Okay. His wife, and no one remembers his wife's name other than you. His wife <laughs> was so under the radar. Mavis. Yes, it was Mavis. <laughs> Mavis. Mavis didn't want bottle service. Mavis didn't want to go anywhere. No. Look at Ma- Magic's wife, Cookie. Cookie <laughs> every year wants to go on a yacht. Cookie yes, gets true. to go to the Amalfi Coast and invite Samuel L. Jackson and Oprah and Gail. And Cookie wants to have this unbelievable extravagant life. Jay's wife. No one ever hears from her, so Jay was able to put all his money in the bank as Magic has to get Cookie a yacht every summer and take <laughs> her to the Caribbean or the Amalfi Coast. So you got to dip the podcast in reality if you could, please. You know, uh, if you want to go back in the hot tub time machine, every once in a while you and I like to talk about growing up watching WPIX New York with doc, you know, Officer Joel Bolton and the Three Stooges and I Dream of Genie and Star Trek and A Land of the Giants and all those great Gilligan's Island and Munsters and the shows we watch growing up there was also an old ancient black and white game show called you bet your life with groucho marx which ran from 1947 to 1961 how about if i pull that out of my brain and it's it was just legend it's it's actually the only groucho marx i know i never saw groucho marx movie i just loved him as that talk show host on those ancient reruns we would watch they're bringing back you bet your life with jay leno with Jay, huh? With Jay Leno. They're going to film it over on the Fox lot, and it's going to be uh, slated for 2022, the fall of 2022. You bet your life with Jay Leno. And it's never going to be as good because Groucho was a legend. But if, if you, ever, you even have a chance to YouTube, so, you know, I remember if you go back in the hot tub time machine, I'm down the hall, guys down the hall at Penn State were engineering majors, so all they did was study. Engineering majors have to study. I didn't have to study. I was a political science major. All I had to do was read the paper. And so um, they were. I would go down and visit their room, and one night we're smoking pot and watching TV, and You Bet Your Life with Groucho came on, and I said to them, I don't, you know, this is, the thing I don't like about Groucho, I'm sitting there getting, you know, giving a lecture. The thing I don't like about Groucho is it's easy humor. It's put down humor. And so he's not my cup of tea or whatever I said. And then we sat there and we watched that show and laughed our guts off for a half hour. And it was, I realized, oh God, I do love Groucho Marx. And it was really funny. This couple comes out and they weren't a couple, but it's this giant black guy who was a, a fullback for the Rams and this giant black woman who threw a shot put in the Olympics. 
and he turns to the giant black woman and says, So, Susan, how long have you been a fullback for the Rams? <laughs> and I just, the first thing out of his mouth, we fell on the floor laughing after I just said the show wasn't very good. And I was hooked on him forever from that moment. And and it was just a, just a great show. And if, if Jay does half a, you know half as good a job as Groucho did, then it'll be a good show. Ladies and gentlemen, an upcoming podcast. Tom Looney will break down. Hello, oh, no. <laughs> we'll have a little Charlie Chaplin. Oh, and there's going to be an unbelievable podcast on Jackie Gleason. You don't want to miss that. And Bing, <laughs> Bob, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. So for oh, our God. youngsters. Okay, I'll edit it out. It's out of demographic. My grandfather would have enjoyed that segment, but if he was alive, he'd be 119. So you might shit about that. <laughs> I got old people, older people listening to this, and we have younger people listening to this. Okay. <laughs> I want to finish with a couple of our NFL heroes and zeros. Okay. I'm going to be doing that on some upcoming podcasts. Okay. In the quarterback position, I pick Russell Wilson along with a lot of other people. Oh, my God. Me. There were two drops in that game by DK Metcalf. Two drops that hit him right in the hands. Uh, in that game, Russell Wilson was 31 of 35. He would have been 33 of 35. He was 31 of 35 for 322 yards. Oh, nothing. Four touchdowns. No interceptions in that game. His quarterback rating was 143.1. He is going to be... Remember when Kobe wasn't winning MVPs and they were giving him to Steve Nash? That's what's been going on with Russell Wilson. We're just used to his greatness. And he's gotten better every single year he's been in the NFL. And he's probably going to be... He and Lamar Jackson are going to be the two best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And because Lamar's so flashy and can run... By the way, so can Russell Wilson. Um, that Lamar's going to get more publicity, but Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL with a wink and a nod to Lamar. Well, don't say that to Aaron Rodgers, even though he broke <laughs> oh my God. Patrick, which was the smartest thing he ever did. He broke up with Danica Patrick. Um, Aaron Rodgers in that his game had 127.5 quarterback rating. He was great. Touchdowns, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 364 yards, and he beat the team that I predicted would go to the Super Bowl, the Minnesota Vikings. Now, remember, Tom Brady lost at New Orleans, and I didn't panic. Minnesota lost at home in the division to Green Bay. So I was expecting Green Bay and Minnesota to split this year because they got a good rivalry. Uh, the Vikings really looked poor, and Green Bay looked Ooh. great against a team that was missing. And Minnesota was missing one of their better pass rushers, but still. Yeah, they lost Griffin on the edge. They got walking wounded up front. Their defense won't be the same as previous years if they stay, if their defense has, has a problem. And the Vikings would the Vikings probably would be better with RG3 at quarterback. I don't know what's going on with Kirk Cousins. But the Packers owned him, and Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins may be the two best receivers. And the NFL, Aaron Rodgers made him look that way. And when you have a great quarterback, sometimes he makes good receivers look great. Maybe they're just good. But Aaron Rodgers, by the way, great, great attitude, JT, as he always has because he's a front runner. He's got that bad body language when he's not playing well. But when he's playing well, he is high on himself, as he should be. He was great. And for you, I wanted to include a team from your dirt. His first 300-yard passing game oh. 
surprising to me. Josh Allen of Buffalo, yep. uh, he was 33 of 46 for 312, two touchdowns and no interceptions. He played that god-awful Jets team, uh, that mess of a Jets team. I thought Sam Darnold was the second coming. Oh, remember, if you, A, never lived in L.A. and now live on the beach, you act like you lived in L.A. forever. And if you want to get close to the USC program because you didn't go to USC, what you do is you kiss the ass of USC all day long, and then the people at USC go, whoa, someone moved to Manhattan Beach, and they love, and they're bootlicking our team. Uh, let's bring them into our world. So remember, Sam Darnold, overrated. I'll give him a little bit of credit. He plays for a really bad team in the Jets, and eventually he's going to have that great moment where he's going to have to decide, do I take the money because they're going to offer him more money to stay, or is he going to listen to JT the Brick, which Donovan McNabb did not when I brought that up to him. I said, Donovan, leave Philly, leave. They're going to run you out of town. And no, they kept going to NFC Championship games, and they kept paying him. He could have had a completely different legacy somewhere else. The same thing's going to happen to Darnold. In the fourth year of his deal, they're going to say, Sam, we want to lock you down for a long-term deal. And Sam Darnold's going to have to say, no, I'm playing out my contract. And they could start to franchise tag him or not, but he's got to get out of the Jets. They're toxic. I've got one of your favorite subjects here that I'm going to ambush you with, but are you done ambushing me with blue? What is it? What was it? Winners and losers. What would you just do? What was that called? Heroes and zeros. Oh, heroes and zeros. Are you done with your heroes and zeros that you just yeah, I want to include Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. First okay. Ever, oh my God. First ever win for the Las Vegas Raiders in the history of the Vegas franchise. He had three rushing touchdowns. He outplayed. Oh, nothing. Christian McCaffrey. He outplayed him in the game. So I wanted to get him in on the hero. And one of the guys, I never know the anchors names on ESPN. I'm not just saying to take a shot at ESPN. I was never, uh, you know, I, I was never a, a huge ESPN guy, and it sounds weird being a sports guy. But um, one of them said, "If you've got Josh Jacobs on your fantasy team, don't get rid of him." That was the first thing I heard when I clicked ESPN Sports Center on on Sunday. Okay, you're one of your favorite topics, and we'll finish with this. If this goes at the end, if I don't fuck with the editing. <laughs> Best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm going to ambush you with this, but it's a great list. It's unbelievable. These might be the glory days when it comes to the quarterback position of the NFL, JT, because look at the backups we've got. In no particular order, Jameis Winston, New Orleans Saints, Marcus Mariota of your Raiders, Andy Dalton with the Cowboys, Alex Smith with the Redskins. Uh, Robert Griffin III with the Ravens, Case Keenum with the Browns, Joe Flacco with the Jets, Nick Foles with the Bears, and just for fun, Tua Tungavaloa with the Dolphins. That's a really good backup list. Those are really good backup quarterbacks that can play at any point in time for anybody there. Yeah, I always said that that's one of our favorite lists. When you have a great backup quarterback, it does two things. It gives you an opportunity to stay Stay in the race if your quarterback gets hurt, and they seem to all eventually get hurt. And also, it, it gives you an opportunity for a controversy. Back yes. Day, when we grew up as kids, there was always a controversy with oh, the backup. Oh, yeah. The backup quarterback was pretty good. They could come in and play. We don't. Yeah, see Richard that. Todd and Matt Robinson back in the days for the Jets in your old neighborhood, even though you were a Jets fan. Remember that? Well, the big one of my youth is Phil Sims got hurt, and the guy named Jeff Hostetler came in. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl. Won the Super Bowl because he was an outstanding a backup quarterback. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's only week one. But I think it, what, what's interesting, and we'll get to it probably in our next podcast, is that there's going to be 
there's going to be a shift. Someone's going to go 0-2. I think it could be the Cowboys, or it could be the Buccaneers, or it could be the Colts. Someone that, you know, I had penciled in as a playoff team. If it's Cleveland, I wouldn't be shocked. But out of those teams, Denver, which should have won on Monday night, uh, Goskowski of the Titans missed a whole bunch of kicks. But Jerry Judy dropped a lot of passes, and Denver could have won. So someone's going to go 0-2, and then the panic is going to set in because only Emmett Smith, when he held out 0-2, came out for the checkbook. Jerry paid him, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. If you're an 0-2 football team, you're going nowhere. And that's only a week away. Yeah, and coming up this weekend, we'll find out if Tom Brady can beat the bums because he's always. We know he can beat bums because he was in the AFC East all those years. He was the king of the bums uh, when he was in the AFC East. Are the Panthers bums? Well, uh, if Tom Brady beats up on him, we'll know that they are. But uh, you saw the Panthers up close this past weekend. Are the Panthers bums? Yeah, they're they're pretty much bums because they okay. don't have the defense, but. You know, Matt Rule and Teddy Bridgewater, once they open up the offense and let Teddy throw it to Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and McCaffrey, they're going to win some games. KABC, Los Angeles, Orange County, and KLOS HD2, Los Angeles. Two sheriff's deputies were ambushed in Compton last night. Both suffering from multiple gunshot wounds. They're out of surgery right now. That's the sheriff. A suspect caught on video emptied the gun on both officers. It's a blue line station. One is a 31-year-old mother of a 6-year-old boy. The other one is a 24-year-old. Both were hit in the head. They're in critical condition at St. Francis Medical Center in Linwood. They're still looking for the guy that did it. I want to get this into the podcast. It's going to make some people feel uncomfortable. All right. But we're going to do this. Uh, earlier in the week, I put out, I, I've been really, really bothered by the two deputy police officers, the two deputy officers that got ambushed in Compton, California, as mm-hmm. a heinous coward came up to their police cruiser and shot them. And uh, the woman, the female officer, got shot through the jaw, and she was bleeding through the mouth as she put a tourniquet on the arm or shoulder of the other officer and then tried to call ahead for backup and she couldn't get the words out because a bullet went through her face. And I was bothered by this and maybe it had to do with cable news and the local news. I live in Vegas and we're Nevada up against California. So we got a lot of that on the local news. And I put out a tweet and a Facebook uh, post which said this. It's I'm almost in complete shock by the lack of star athletes speaking up in L.A., on the record about the deputies who were ambushed and shot. Imagine a world in which celebrities, including superstars in the number two media market, are mostly silent. This is such a big story, disgraceful. And then if you go down to the hundreds of comments I have, and the thousands overall if you add in Twitter, some of the responses made me really uncomfortable. Because mm-hmm. what people used that tweet was, I just wish people would have looked at it, but of course a lot of people responded. And there were a lot of people responding to the fact they used the word but. This isn't a but. When someone gets shot like that, you don't have to say, but George Floyd and there was an officer on his neck for eight minutes. I'm aware of that. I was highly, highly upset about what happened to George Floyd. I spent a lot of time my whole summer since Memorial Day talking about it. Uh, I don't have anxiety. I don't believe I don't have depression. I don't talk to anybody about this, but I wanted to get this in on the podcast because it truly bothered me, the responses and how people can't be the same person. I believe in dignity. If a police officer gets shot, I'll throw out the prayers emojis and I'll say something positive. If a black human being gets shot by a police officer and he's unarmed 
and I see the video camera and I cover the news, I say the same thing. We weren't so divided, Tom, where we have to pick a side when someone does something so cowardly and hurts other human beings. Uh, Yeah, people get defensive over something that doesn't involve them or their politics. It's ridiculous. Uh, This was one horrible person who did a terrible thing that doesn't represent a race or a movement or liberalism or conservatism. Some people try to wedge that in, which is terrible, and make something political out of it, like that person represents something, which which they don't. It's terrible to do that if a crazy person who's conservative or a crazy person who's liberal or a crazy person who's apolitical gets wedged in, and you try to wedge politics into something that's simply on its face is treacherous and i i don't know if we should demand that that athletes speak because they speak out on one issue necessarily we need to conflate two different entirely different topics together then they need to speak out on this um i couldn't i could not disagree with you more I'm no back well here's why when, you know when oj killed nicole nobody said heterosexuals need to stand up and make sure people know this doesn't represent their lifestyle i mean how far do you want to take it every time something I'll happens what, i'll tell you what i wanted to say and i did it in a follow-up tweet after that tweet because i, I directed this tweet at your lady your city los angeles mm-hmm. i didn't direct this tweet at Giannis Antetokounmpo and all the players who are wearing Black Lives Matter right. on their in the NBA, or the hockey players. Remember, the hockey players took after it took after they watched the NBA, they stopped playing hockey. They stopped playing hockey playoff games uh-huh. because they wanted to regroup and get their opinion and thoughts in on Black Lives Matter and right. another shooting that happened. <clears throat> a shooting, a shooting in Wisconsin with an, uh, with someone. And I understood that. You didn't hear me say, you hockey players, get back on the ice. What got me about my follow-up tweet is when I pointed out in Los Angeles, I said, this has nothing to do with race. Imagine if Kershaw, LeBron, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Kawhi Leonard, Aaron Donald, Chip Kelly, who's the head coach of UCLA, and other sports stars held a joint Zoom press conference and spoke up on the police ambush. It's not hard to do. We're doing a podcast on a Zoom call. I'm looking at you with a puppy picture over your shoulder, <laughs> looking at my wife's walk-in closet. We set up the Zoom in a matter of moments, and we're talking about a really compelling and, issue. And we, right, and we could have gone on if we were famous and said, this isn't the answer. Yeah, we could have ended the podcast after Heroes and Zeros. Right. We'll bring this up because I think when it comes to law enforcement, I understand that you at this moment in your lives, if you're not completely pro-cop, I, I get it. Police, there's a backdrop of police in my family. My grandfather right. was a police officer. I have friends who are retiring this year. I'm pro-cop. And the bad cops I want to see taken off the force, brought to justice, and kicked out of policing. But when police officers get ambushed in Compton, California, and I can't get NBA players and baseball players and college football players and everybody just stop and go, this is insanity. Right. What can I do to help increase the reward? Because we have a fugitive on the loose. And secondly, what do we do about the people who are protesting? It's only five or six outside the hospital saying that I hope these pigs oh, die yeah. and all of that. That really that, bothered me. A couple of things. That got conflated because it was – remember when they said – Cavalier fans were burning LeBron's jersey, and it was just the same video of some guy burning one jersey over and over again. That was one knucklehead screaming that, and that got 
made into a political issue. But this may make some people uncomfortable. People always like to look at the victims and then talk about how so many victims of police brutality. Well, they had a warrant out for domestic violence and victim blaming. I think one of the reasons that the rest of the country doesn't realize that people aren't really willing too quickly to go to bat for the L.A. Sheriff's Department. If they find out who that assassin is and he goes to prison, you know who he's going to be sitting next to? The sheriff. Our sheriff's in prison with 10 other sheriffs for uh, running a rogue department, conspiracy to obstruct justice, obstruction of justice, perjury, and lying to the FBI. And they were running. They were having like pit bull fights among bad guys at the L.A. County Jail and taking bets. And the FBI was so, when they got word of this, took the side of the bad guys and snuck cell phones into jail so the bad guys could tape the sheriffs doing the stuff that they're doing and brutalizing inmates and setting them up with fights. So uh, one of the reasons what the rest of the country doesn't know, kind of like with the OJ trial, they didn't realize the depth of the corruption in the LAPD. People don't realize that our sheriff is in prison. I understand, but that <laughs> yeah. does, and I'm not saying you're justifying it. but that No, I'm not, but I'm saying that's one of, no, I'm explaining something, not justifying. I, I'm explaining why some of the people who are, who are aware of social injustice are aware of kind of the iffy reputation of the L.A. Sheriff's I just can't believe that a common human beings who are decent, like I believe I am and you are, just can't say, just can't look at that tweet that I put out there or that Facebook post and just look at it and say, they don't have to say you're right, J.T., that's an animal who did that. Right. They need to be brought to justice. I'm praying for those deputies, which would be the right thing for decent people to do. Exactly. People have to comment to go out of their way and start a debate with other people about white supremacy, oh. or what's happening in L.A., or well, justice when a female police officer got shot through the mouth and was trying to survive by calling for help. And now people want to build a octopus tentacle debate topic off of that. Well, that's the, but you know that that's the internet. You could tweet out that crime has never been lower in the United States, which I used to love to point out because our crime rates have been going down. People act like it's some kind of political statement. If you even tweet out good news about how there's less starvation than there is anywhere in the world, somebody will find some political weenie thing to say back. Mike Tyson put it best. The internet allows people to say with their thumbs, what would normally get him punched in the face in person. And so you're getting all kinds of awful things. You, you should stop reading the comments back to you. You have, I keep telling you, you have earned an incredible platform. You should just give your opinion and never look at the comments. That's what I do. What's unfortunate is my wife is an administrator on my JT the Brick page oh, okay. on Facebook, and when she gets the alerts on her phone and she's reading some of these responses, unfortunately, she can delete, 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 oh, good. and good. take away some of that. It, it takes up your whole day. And again, as I, I'll wrap it up with this on nine eleven. On nine eleven, I don't do any social media. Yeah. My fraternity brother James Joseph Kelly died at the top of Cantor Fitzgerald in the most violent way that any human being can die, and got a phone call in to his wife and four daughters to say goodbye. And you know, so nine eleven, I don't do any social media. I don't tweet. I don't go on Facebook. I shut it all down. You should have more days like that. But we should all have more days, like <laughs> that, especially during a pandemic and right. everything that's happened here. And I hope for better times. And man. Do I love this podcast? What we'd like everybody to do is share it, rate it, say they like it, 
We have advertisers now. We're with the Believe Podcast Network. And the reason we moved to this platform is so more people will listen to our podcast. So if you listen to the very, very end, thank you and share it with other people. And remember, we also have BetOnline.ag is a great sponsor now. It's great to have them. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. Or are your online sportsbook experts. Is it is or are? Is okay. Bet online is your online sportsbook experts. Real on the really it, on the copy it doesn't say is or are. It just says bet online your online sportsbook experts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.